Once we teach the kids that the bully is not a bad person, but it's the behaviour that they're demonstrating is wrong, then they tend to feel a little bit less of a victim and targeted. Hello and welcome to episode number eight of the Being Men podcast. We've got an awesome episode lined up for you guys today, but first... Let's have a chat about our Patreon page. Now, what is Patreon, you may ask? Well, Patreon is a way for you, our listeners, to support us in releasing more episodes of this podcast, as well as helping us grow Being Men into the life-changing initiative that we know it can be. All you have to do is head to patreon.com slash beingmen, choose a pledge amount, and you're done. From as little as $2 a month, you can be a part of our mission to make the world a better place. I also want to give a huge shout-out to one of our recent supporters, Matt Buchanan. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. All right, let's get into it. In this episode, we chat with Wayne McDonald. Wayne is an international anti-bullying educator, world-class athlete, and dedicated sensei. He's extremely passionate about helping kids overcome bullying and also educating the community on how we can help end bullying forever. So, without further ado, here is our wide-ranging conversation with Wayne McDonald. Enjoy. So Wayne, thanks so much for coming. Really good to have you on. Just to get us started, can you give us a bit of a rundown of your background and what you're up to now and the work that you do? Uh, yeah, great to be here, boys, um, and great to hear your voices again. Uh, I've been doing martial arts since the age of 12. I was one of those uh, little skinny redhead kids in Australia that really didn't have much direction, and I um, was fortunate to discover my karate with my cousin. My cousin was teaching it, and then his younger brother wanted to do it, so I came along with him for the ride. And 36 years later, or even 38 years later now, um, I'm loving it. I was very fortunate to be successful in the um, in sport karate, representing Australia, traveling around the world, winning some amazing international titles. And um, yeah, just going to the top of the pile there and then moving into coaching. And my sensei, who was the founder of Karate Budokan International, bestowed the honor of world chief instructor on me in the late 90s and I've been having a wonderful time sharing uh, my insights and and promoting karate to thousands of people around the world and um, as you guys know I tend to love what I do and um, the goal is just to try and instill self-esteem in everyone that we come across and hopefully uh, improve their lives in some way. Yeah awesome so can you can you give us a bit of an indication about where you are and kind of and what you're doing um, over there? Yeah, well, three uh, three years ago, we took the big plunge to move to the uh, United Arab Emirates. I'm living in Dubai, which is quite a vast difference from uh, the Sunshine Coast and Noosa. But the whole goal was to actually head over here, being a, a international hub close to so many countries, where we could actually um, do our life skills program in schools, where we actually we cover everything from. The six essentials, keeping the children healthy, right through to bully prevention, bully awareness, stranger danger, and um, hopefully, you know, we can impact that into thousands of kids here in the UAE and they can spread it to people all around the world with that ripple effect of obviously they're going to be parents one day so they can pass on to their kids. And it's, uh, it's going really well. We've, uh, we've had some fantastic feedback, something that's really needed. And um, you'd be amazed at the amount of people around the world that are, you know, still being bullied and now with the the onset of social media, how that's impacting people's lives as well. So we're doing our best to try and bring those percentages down and hopefully send children out of our sessions feeling uh, in control of what's happening to them. Yeah, definitely. It must be it must be such a big cultural difference over there, but it's it's amazing to hear that there's still kind of the same 
pattern of bullying happening all over the world, um, obviously in Australia. Can you let us know what makes a bully and, and essentially what is bullying? Um, good question because a lot of people get that one wrong and that's our prime focus when we do our education in the classrooms is actually letting the children know that um, what a bully is. And so I've got a question for you boys. Tell me, is a bully a bad person? So I don't um, necessarily think that that's true. Obviously, there are certain behavioral and personality traits of a bully, but I guess there is an underlying factor that's making them act that way. There's something going on in their life that's obviously making them act up. Excellent answer. Excellent answer. So that's our big our big thing is once we teach the kids that the bully is not a bad person, but it's the behavior that they're demonstrating is wrong, then they tend to feel a little bit less of a victim and targeted. And the most important thing is trying to teach the the kids that are being bullied why the bully might be doing what they are. And and it can be something as simple as just wanting to fit in. And that happens over here a fair bit because we've got you know, lots of uh, international schools with hundreds of nationalities and you've got people coming and going when, when their parents' employment status changes regularly. So you've got new kids coming all the time and then they're trying to fit in. Some of them choose to do it the wrong way. We've also got kids that, that have been bullied themselves and that's another big reason on why, why um, they actually you know, replicate that behaviour. And um, then there's this, that, you know, that, that simple thing where the, um, the kids are trying to get attention and they don't care if they get it in a good way. They just want, want the attention. So, so they're the three prime reasons why children bully. And, you know, as a, lot of, a lot of people mistake conflict for bullying. So bullying is a word that's been thrown around a lot now. And as soon as their child comes home sad from school because they had a clash with somebody, the parents raise that bullying flag and then schools go into panic mode. But really, it's not even bullying. So we help the kids understand what it is. And once they realise that it's not a personal attack at them, then they tend to uh, feel a bit better about it and we give them some coping skills on how to how to face each day with it. Yeah, you raised a very good point there, you know, talking about the differences between what a bully behavior looks like and what a clash looks like. Could you give our listeners an example of what that behaviors are? Yeah, exactly. So you get the two key words with bullying is um, repetitive and intentional. So for something to be classed as bullying, it, we do we do a little um, presentation on stage and uh, my wife Donna, she actually sits down, pretends she's reading a book and we take, say to the kids, okay, it's it's Monday at school and then I'm the bully, I walk past and I bump into her and then keep walking and then I say, okay, well now it's it's Sunday. I walk past again and I push her and knock a book down and then I do it again on Tuesday and then we talk to the kids about it. If I did that once, it's not nice behaviour but it's not bullying but because I did it repetitively over three days, and I intentionally did it knowing that it was going to upset her, then that's what classes it as bullying. Whereas a lot of kids just feel something happens at school, they get upset, their friend might have excluded them from something, but it's happened once, that friend doesn't even realise that it upset their feelings. So that child will go home thinking they've been bullied, where in fact it was just a you know an unfortunate event. Yeah, so it's repetitive, repetitive stuff that's, that's yeah. the issue there. They're the two key words, yeah. repetitive and intentional. The children need to know that what they're about to do is going to upset that other person and and as far as different types of bullying um you've got physical bullying kind of emotional and verbal bullying and online bullying as well can you give us some examples of of not just the, um, the physical that you went through just there but kind of verbal and emotional and online as well 
Yeah, exactly. It can be. We get lots of cases with kids that are just um, exclusion, so they're being left out. But the problem is that the children that are showing the bullying behaviour, they're actually intentionally making sure that that child knows there's something on, and they're leaving them out of it. It could be a social chat like WhatsApp, and they put a WhatsApp group together with all their friends, and they have a party, but they make sure this person doesn't get invited. But they're still getting all the messages about this party that's going to happen, and that kind of stuff happens a lot and people, you know, they don't sort of think that they think of bullying as pushing and shoving and name calling. Whereas little gentle, gentle, nasty things like that can be just as emotionally damaging as, as anything else. So, so that's one case. And then obviously the other is the, the simple name calling and, and things like that, which upset people as well. But it's uh, quite scary what's happening with cyberbullying at the moment. Oh, absolutely. It's amazing how, the whole world doesn't matter where you are there is quite a bit of awareness around bullying and the effects of bullying so i've got a question for you most of our listeners are parents so as a parent what can you do or how can you identify if your child is the bully and what can you do in that situation to step in yeah probably the biggest thing is communication and i know every parent wants to have great communication with their children but I think it comes back from um, very young and we started with our kids when they were really young and we told them that um, it doesn't matter what they tell us as long as they tell us the truth, they're not going to get in trouble. So if they tell us the truth about something that's worrying them, that they're not going to get in trouble and that we're going to be there to listen. So that is a key factor and if the kids feel they can tell you anything, then that's going to make it easier to um, hear about the bullying. But if for any reason the children feel they can't express it to you, it might be a little bit embarrassing along those lines. But just start to pay attention to um, if they're withdrawn, if they're not wanting to do the normal things they want to do, if they're trying to maybe avoid some of the social interactions, um, if they're trying to avoid school more than normal. Uh, they're the little key key signs. And just 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 that general vibe, you know, when you can feel that just something's not right with um, with the yellow ones. That's probably the key. And it's more important the parents just have to be active in their lives. Yeah, definitely be involved in, in everything. In terms of, we think of it on the flip side of that, if we suspect our child is, um, is bullying other children, what are your thoughts on that and what can us as parents do if we think our child is a bully? Yeah, so again, it comes down to education and letting the kids know what bully behaviour is. And we've had some great sessions with uh, schools over here where we've presented, we've presented to um, a big group of a, at a boys' school and it was probably one of the most golden moments for me is we had this boy come up to us at the, end of the, at the end of the session. He was a year nine boy and he said, actually, I've been that bully. Now that you guys have explained it and told me what's, what, what's happening and how we can prevent it, I realise now for years I've been that bully and I don't want to be that person anymore. So, and it was all, all to do with education because some of them, that natural behaviour, if it's happening at home, they see that as normal behaviour. So until they realise that they're doing something wrong, you know, it's, uh, it's, so to me it's really about if you do suspect it or you've had other parents talk to you about your children doing it, educate them what's happening and then try and see if they've got any empathy and then put the shoe on the other foot and imagine you know, if this is happening to you, how would you feel? And that's probably the first step. Um, and then obviously after that, then you need to get, you know, school counsellors and things involved. And But my goal is maybe just sit down and talk to them, tell them that they're not a bad person and that all they're doing, their behaviour is bad. And some of these kids will turn around and, you know, and then you're going to have a fantastic young adult. Yeah. 
Well, in terms of identifying if a child is the bully or the one being bullied, I guess it can be quite confronting for a lot of parents, especially if you realize that your child is the bully. Now, do you have any advice or tips for parents who are dealing with that sort of emotion and that sort of pressure? Yeah. Probably the first thing for the parent, the most important thing for the parent is don't beat themselves up about it and don't feel like a failure. Um, I think you boys have touched on it with your podcast before and, and as you know, with our in our martial arts school, we always talk about that it takes a um, community to raise a child. So a lot of the influences this child is getting is not just from home. So they're learning, they're going to learn behaviours from outside of the home as well. So for the parents, first of all, don't blame themselves. And... Um, and again, don't feel, if a parent comes up to you and approaches you about something your child's done, don't go straight on the defensive and um, go into a clash about it. Just tell them that you'll communicate with your child, that you want to hear all sides of the story, and then that, yeah, you will take, take appropriate action. But first and foremost, don't blame yourself because, you know, we all do the best we can as parents. And it's important for everyone to realize that, you know, there's other influences that can impact on a children's behavior. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, when you realize your child is the bully, there can be a lot of shame that comes with it as well. I guess as a parent, you start questioning your morals and your parenting style and where you went wrong. And through that, I guess from that point on, the relationship sort of tainted. So it's it's great that you've raised that point, you know. It doesn't take a child, just, just the parents to raise a child. It takes the whole community to raise a child. And that's quite significant. Yeah, our best our best um, presentations are when we actually have the parents involved and the parents the parents sit in on the presentation as well. So the children hear about it, but then also the parents learn, you know, the what the kids are hearing at school. So many kids go into bully prevention weeks at school and they get told this information, and the parents um, have no understanding of it, so they can't back it up at home. Do you think is bully um, like a traditional bully intervention, like with the, the principal at school or the teacher? Do you reckon that's effective? Uh, not really, not really, because. Yeah, all this stuff goes on out of view. Most of the time, the parents aren't the parents and the teachers aren't aware of it, and really, it's the kind of thing that needs to. That's why we need to teach the kids coping skills so they can actually stand on their own two feet. And you know, we've got different little tactics that they can do. We tell them how to, um, you know, we tell them how to be a, an upstander, not a bystander. So if you see someone being bullied, we try and get their peers to help them, not so much let the uh, the adults do it and the peers will come in and they might distract the bully or they might uh, distract the victim and take them away or they might be brave enough to take a stand and tell the bully that it's not cool. But, you know, we find it's much better if we can get um, the their network at school to try and you know, help them out as well. Yeah, definitely. I was, I was bullied as a kid to, to the extent where I had to move schools, um, move primary schools. And I felt it to the point where I didn't want to talk to my parents, didn't want to talk to the teachers or any of my friends or anything like that. So it was really hard to kind of to reach out and get and get help with it. So if there's someone there that can actually be proactive about it and, and you know, not be a bystander, it's, I think that can be a bit super valuable. How do you think us as a society can combat bullying kind of in our everyday lives? Because we see things like, you know, road rage and, and violence in the community and, and, and not treating each other well um, in our daily lives. Can that affect our kids and, and kind of make them act like that in, in the classroom as well? Yeah, of course. I think... I think it comes back down and yeah, we've all been very fortunate to have learnt self-control with our martial arts training. But um, the simple fact of, you know, when you feel that emotion build up inside, the first thing you do is actually focus on your breathing. You know, take 10 big slow breaths and then choose the choose the correct action you're going to take. And 
you know, I can, I'm sure that all your listeners now, if I ask them, um, put your hand up if you've done something um, you really regret after you're angry. And they look, everyone will put their hand up, you know, because because we've sometimes just lash out emotionally with the first feeling we have instead of actually taking a few deep breaths, calm ourselves down and then think, okay, what's the correct way to act? So as a society, that's probably what I would recommend is just to calm yourselves down and just, you know, think, think before you act. And so many people won't uh, so many people won't do that. And it's um and it's one of those really important simple steps that we can we can all take. And it yeah, it can it can improve uh all areas of society, not just, uh, like you said, road rage, it can happen everywhere. It can help uh, office politics as well. So there's uh, just there's a lot to be said about actually um, taking a breath and choosing how we act. I feel like there's bullies everywhere. There's bullies in like offices, you know, sports clubs even, um, and like everywhere. I've got a question for you, Ro. Growing up in India, do you feel like the same pressures on you and the same effect of the bullying at school in India? Yeah. Well, it's quite evident. There have been instances that I can remember where I've been bullied. And as Wayne mentioned at the start of the podcast, sometimes when you when you get bullied, as a consequence of that, you become the bully. You know, I'm not I'm not very proud, but there have been moments where I've been a bully and I've been quite ashamed of that. But I guess when I when I reached out to my parents when I did get bullied in certain situations, they would jump in and straight away ask me if they should come to the school and talk to the school and sort out the issue. And often I'd just beg them not to come and make a big deal of it because it would make the situation worse. So I'd reach out to people that I knew from grades above that I'd hang out with that would come and sort out the situation for me. And that sort of really helped me have an understanding of how to deal with it. And it was quite effective as well. Yeah, so it exists everywhere. I've, I've seen workplace bullying as well, so... It wasn't just, you know, school bullying and that sort of stuff, but it does exist everywhere. And sometimes I didn't have the confidence to step in and, you know, I'm guilty of being the bystander in that situation. But through martial arts, I was able to build that confidence where an awareness to step in and call out something that's not right. Yeah, definitely. I think we've both learned through the karate that, and to have the confidence to really step up and, and do something about it, which is, which is really good. What, what role do you think specifically does sport play in building kids into a good safe young um young people that don't bully um well probably my whole bullying um mindset and the like belief in what i do came from my martial arts classes i think you'll remember mitch we used to do the little tatami chats every lesson where we talk to the kids about you know different things that are happening and what used to um we talk about self-esteem we talk about confidence sitting up straight things like that and um, I had a dad on the sideline who was a police officer and he said, can you do these talks to people that are um, yeah, not just in your karate school? Can you open this up to the community? And so we had a Friday night session and then that took off. That took off and actually it um, became a regular thing and then it turned into I set up a little curriculum and then now it's, it's turned into like six levels of um you know we've got grades one to six primary school then we've got grades seven to twelve in high school and that all started just from the qualities that we had learned from our everyday martial arts things like resilience integrity honesty courtesy respect and so i found that um basically everything we did i think we're a bit more fortunate with martial arts than other sports that we've got these life skills that are in ground into our training um sport general sport i feel teaches people a lot of resilience 
But I think the martial arts um, has a big edge in teaching children that, you know, if things do get tough and things don't always go your way, that you can focus on you as, a, as an individual and, um, you know, keep respectful of everybody else and still still achieve things. And so as far as the sports side goes, sure, my self-esteem and confidence grew when I started winning, but I think the winning is only a really small part of it. I feel that um, right from early days when I learned that first bow and I learned to show respect to somebody that I hadn't even met before and I bowed to my opponent for the first time, you know, I was giving respect before we even went into battle. And I think um, that quality is something that, you know, we've been blessed to have all our lives and, and I think that it's... Um, it's going to that'll increase self-esteem just because you become a better person. Yeah, definitely. And I think for, for Ro and I, it's, it's built us into who we are today. And I remember when I kind of first walked into, into the dojo, I was a shy um, little kid, nine-year-old kid, didn't want to answer the phone, didn't want to answer the door, had no self-esteem. It was definitely challenging and it did build resilience and it did kind of allow me to stand up and gain a little bit of respect amongst my peers as well, which was really good. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass you, Mitch, but I can still remember the first day you came into the dojo. And I think it was your second attempt. Was it your second attempt? Your dad said the first day you stood downstairs and there was no way that you were coming up those uh, daunting stairs. And then, and then he finally got you up there. And then, you know, like you are a credit to, um, to yourself, but also to martial arts on the way it can actually transform lives because, you know, the amazing young man that you grew into and um, what you're achieving now from that little boy that first came up the stairs is quite, um, is quite a transformation. So, um, you know, and I think that's totally dedicated to what martial arts um, can do for people and, and you're a, a shining star of it. So, so uh, yeah, so sorry to embarrass you about that, but it had to be said because, um, you know, you're an amazing, you're amazing young man achieving great things now and and that little nine-year-old that came in was um, was not the kind of person we would have picked for that. Well, thanks for saying that. I, I definitely still have my moments of anxiety, and in this podcast, I think for Ryan, I was definitely pushing our limits on you know on our nervousness and, and kind of really pushing that through. But yeah, I definitely credit it to like ninety percent of my upbringing for sure, and and you, you're a big part of that. So thank you for that um, for sure. No, my pleasure. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's why we do what we do. And um, same with Ro, like, you know, with, I remember I've known Ro since he was, uh, since he was three and he was never, he never came across as a shy kind of kid. He was always, uh, he was always pretty full on, but I think um, it was pretty tricky for you, Ro, because you had to change countries at such a young age and, and then you were thrust into the spotlight with, um, with your father's role in KBI. And so you're always expected to do great things, but, you know, there's always going to be those little demons inside that make you doubt if you can. And I think, um, I think what you've done is, um, is again, a credit to what martial arts can do to children because other people put into that situation in another sport may not have come out of it as, uh, as well as you have and become that leader you are. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All credit to karate and people like yourself and other sensei's that have played a significant role in helping me transition from you know teenage years to adulthood. So very grateful for that. And I guess one thing that stands out about martial arts, um, particularly over other sports, is it sort of has its own rite of passage program. Now, Wayne, you've worked with multiple teenagers, um, especially young men, transitioning into adulthood. Can you share some of the common um, factors that you observed and how did you manage that and what did you do um, to help these teenagers you know, have a smooth transition? Yeah, exactly. So... Um... 
the thing is, you, you've all you've all been through it yourself, and obviously a lot of parents out there have experienced that tricky time from you know thirteen, thirteen through those years where the the kids are trying to find their own you know their own self and and the benefit of martial arts I think is because it's such an individual um, journey that um, the dojo is sort of like their little uh, their little place away from anything like that. Almost like it's almost like role playing in the sense where they can actually walk away from the the dramas at school, they can walk away from the um, pressure they might be getting at home or the the parents that aren't quite dealing with those tricky teenage years quite well and they can come into the dojo and actually we become their their um, their mentors and their guides in a way. And I think um, I think it's a lot more than just punching and kicking, as you guys know. It's more about just uh, helping guide them through. And we've seen... You, we've seen thousands and thousands of um, of kids that just come into the dojo and they just love it. They're there they're straight after school. Their class doesn't start for two or three hours, but they just want to be there because that's like their their second family. So I feel it's the the community at the dojo too. It's not just the actual partaking in the class and the martial arts, but I think it's the um, the way the sensei nurtures nurtures the um, group below them, and it all comes back to the sensei too. Like I'm not saying every dojo is going to be like that. But definitely, what we've all been exposed to um, has done that, and yeah, as as a family unit, they feel like their karate is their second family. I'm not, yeah, thousands of times I've heard people say that this is my home away from home, and I think that helps those kids just disconnect from what's going on in their lives outside of the dojo, come in, and that's like their little haven. And as long as we make it um, that safe place for them, it's going to help them develop into, you know, hopefully, um, great young people. Yeah, for sure. I remember speaking on, on lots of passage and kind of being, being pushed to be better. I remember a few times that you would kind of, you know, throw me in with the adults class and, and I'd really have to push. And, and, and they, I, I consider them to be my role models, not, like not just the sensei, but all the older men um, in the class, for sure. And that was really valuable. Yeah. Yeah, they inspire, you know, they're like, I can remember I was young, 16, and I was training alongside, alongside these guys and they were just, you know, they, to me they were, they were like, you know, I, they were idols. And uh, eventually my, you know, my status in the class, I moved along the lines and all of a sudden I found myself in the line with those guys and then it really dawned on me that, well, you know, there must be guys to the, on the, my side now that are looking up to me in that same way and it made me realise that, well, hang on, I've got to I've got to do what I need to do on this tatami because there's now other people um, wanting to be like me. So it's at a young age it teaches you how to, uh, to lead um, just by actions, which is something that I think, a lot of people in the world need to do. Bringing it back to bullying, a lot of the um, media around karate and martial arts in particular has always been quite violence based. Like you look at the like in the Karate Kid movies. Not don't don't get me wrong, I love the Karate Kid movies, and that was probably one of the contributing factors to me starting karate. But um, you know, they start karate because they're getting bullied because they want to fight back. What's what are your thoughts on that kind of mindset? Yeah, no. To us, it's all about. Um... We even talk about the, as you guys know, the three best self-defense moves, and the uh, the first first choice and the best self-defense move in the whole world is to run. Just don't be there. Um, the second best one is to use your voice, try and talk yourself out of the situation, or actually raise your voice to draw attention. And then third and last resort is to use your body, and not use your body in the way to attack, but just use your body in to keep you safe. Um, so yeah, the myth with uh, you know, taking on bullies with with fists, I don't agree with. Um, but obviously they need to sell their movies, they need to sell the TV shows, and I'm a huge fan of, of the Karate Kid, the original, Mr. Miyagi and, and all the, you know, he finally they finally got a movie about martial arts that, yeah, is right. 
Um, but now the new series, Cobra Kai, is, it's going great and I really enjoyed the first one. It was a bit of a nostalgic trip back there, but there is a little bit of, um, you know, they're, they're too focused on the conflict um, and they need to sort of branch a little bit more off into the emotional side of it and I hope they do in series two. Um, but, yeah, we just don't want everyone to think that martial arts is all about just um, kicking butt and, you know, trying to stand tall because, as you know, nowadays with um, policies at school and, and out in the public that, you know, both people end up with repercussions just because you might have been the one that was threatened. If you don't, if you stand up to yourself physically, you're going to end up in a bit of trouble as well. So so you need to choose wisely about how you act and, you know, hopefully if you're not there, you can't get hurt. Yeah, Totally. You've raised some um, great points there. It's that same idea. If I use an analogy, it's um, you can't fight fire with fire, right? Sometimes you need water to beat fire, and it's that same principle. Let me ask you uh, a little bit about your own personal experience. Um, you spent most of your childhood, your formative years in, in Sydney, and, and now you know, you're know you a father, you've got two teenagers. So do you notice a difference in the generation and has bullying sort of changed from what you've experienced growing up versus what your teenagers are experiencing now? So has has bullying inherently, is it the same thing or has it evolved into something completely different? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very, very much. And it's, um, you know, sure, things were tough in, in northwestern Sydney when I was growing up, but there was still that little underlying factor of respect and let's, we can even talk about it in a in a conflict point of view. Like in my day, when there was when there was scuffles in the playground, and there was you know someone challenged you to a, to a, a bit of a, a battle, that there was respect shown. So if uh, if someone ended up on the ground, that's where it stopped. But nowadays, that respect seems to have gone. As you know, most injuries now are caused by people on the ground and the person, the other person laying in the boot and things like that. So so that's on a, a conflict point of view. But the same is to be said with the with the bullying now, I feel that there's no um, people don't have that um, that line drawn where they realize they're stepping over it, and I feel that it's it's quite scary because you know obviously in the early days before we had this uh, amazing technology, bullying would finish at three p.m. when you got on the bus to go home from school, and you had that reprieve. You got to go to your safe family, and you got to go to your sports, and things were great, but. And you would you dreaded a little bit about going to school the next day because it was going to maybe kickstart again, or you might have a good day where you avoided it. But the problem now with social media is the bullying is it's twenty four seven, and um, a good example um, of that is when I did a radio interview over here. The minute I hung up from the radio and I was heading uh, to work in the car, I received a phone call from a guy, a very great. Um, he started up a great concept where he's got a special app that is um, for bullying to be reported. So he's gone right through the UK schools with this app. And so what happens is you've installed the app on your phone or on your on your laptop or your iPad. And if any bullying messages or videos come through, you can drag that straight into the app and the app will report it to your parents and to school, which is a, it's a fantastic, a fan, a fantastic, um, fantastic um, objective. And, the problem he said, the problem with it is that most of the things that are being reported are between the hours of 1 a.m. in the morning and 5 a.m. So the children are still on their devices and a lot of the stuff is happening late at night and the children aren't switching off. So they're not getting away from it. So they're constantly putting themselves under the anxiety and the stress of what's going on. And a lot of it, only 25% of it's being reported. 
So it's all about opening up today. We've got this technology. We've got the amazing opportunities to communicate anything to anyone. And unfortunately, people just aren't doing it. And that's a, yeah, and I'm sure you guys, um, you heard about the series 13 Reasons Why. And that was a, a classic example of the impact bullying can have. You know, like it, sadly there's a word now they're using in the States and it's called bully side where people are committing suicide due to the impact bullying's having on their lives. And it's just such a sad, sad thing. There's, the statistics are 40% of children, you know, are still being bullied every day. And as a community, we need to do something about that. Oh, totally. 40% is such a high number. There's definitely a need to do something about it, right? Talking about numbers and stats, do you have an idea of the difference between males versus female bullying numbers? Is it that young men are getting bullied more than young women? Yeah, actually, the stats are leading that the, there's more physical bullying going on with the boys, of course, but the girls are much more emotional. And what what's tending to happen is boys have a way of sort of dealing with it differently and they can sort of confront it a bit earlier and and move on with their lives whereas a lot of the girls are actually bottling it up inside and they're they're letting it stew and then it's becoming you know it's going to emotionally impact on their health and they're going to have what they call a um you know an emotional an emotional subconscious memory that every time something similar that happens throughout their life it's going to trigger some sadness and and it could trigger even lead to illnesses and and just depression so um yeah there needs to be coping skills taught to people on how they can actually um not stew on it and a lot of the girl bullying is actually emotional and it's all peer-based whereas a lot of the boys are more in your face so it's um yeah so the stats are, the stats are pretty are pretty um scary and i hope i was yeah i'd love to be in a golden age where where we weren't even talking about this kind of stuff but it's very important because these kids are going to be they're our leaders of the future and at the moment some of them don't even know how to how to um how to cope oh yeah there's there's different kinds of pressure among boys and girls you know you, you would notice that a lot more because you have a teenage boy and a teenage girl so i guess you're exposed to the kind of interactions they're having with their own peer groups yeah it's very it's very very entertaining age too so when you guys are parents oh we know mitch is now but so yeah when they hit that teen number it's quite uh yeah it's uh just uh, do some training. So it's like getting ready, for, like getting ready for your uh, your world titles. Make sure you're prepared. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it for sure. So, for anyone that's listening that um, may be experiencing bullying, or you know, if, they, if their child is experiencing that kind of thing, is there any um, kind of resources or, or programs or books that people can get in touch with to help or to help them cope? Yeah, there's some great ones around. There's uh, every every country's got their own um, government-based ones, and um, there is a, a really good one in the um, US, which sort of it, it can cover most countries. It's called Kid Power. It's a very good resource that really helps, and it's just a uh, it's a lady that actually took it on herself from years ago, and it's all it's not not for profit, and basically it's just out to help people. Um, that's a really good one, but definitely just your just your little networks. Um, you know, and obviously each school has their little policies and their right way to go with it. Um, and hopefully each school has a, a bullying um, policy that is open and all the parents in the school know all about it. Um, but, yeah, definitely definitely look online for some of the government-based ones because they are there to help. Everyone wants the, everyone wants the same results. It's just some people aren't um, out there, you know, like we are trying to make sure that we keep, keep our eye on everyone's health and safety and, and, um, and emotional well-being. We'll um, 
we'll pop some links in the, in the show notes as well so people can, can get a hold of these um, resources and, and learn a bit more about it. To finish up, there's been a lot of talk about kind of men in society in particular um, really standing up against bullying and kind of and really trying to stop it within our male culture. Um, is there any ways that you can think of that kind of a grown man can, can try and make a difference in these kids' lives? Yeah, well, definitely. I think you, you boys touched on it really well when you talked about the, um, you know, mentors and role models and how, you know, we all are. We all are mentors and role models. And you don't, you don't have to be a parent to be a, to be a role model and you don't have to be a celebrity or a sporting star. Like, you know, there's, we all influence um, people around us and everything we do. Um, and I feel that as men, we just need to be the best version of ourselves and make sure that we are open to sharing that with important people around us. And um, it's more like just just walk the talk, I suppose. It's probably the best way of the, the best saying that will really help with that. All right. To finish up, Wayne, um, can you let us know how our audience or anyone that wants to reach out to you and discuss the work that you're doing, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, not a problem. So um, I'll uh, let you guys share. You're quite welcome to share my email on um, on your podcast and also just uh, a link to my website. And I'm over in the UAE, but we travel around the world and we do a fair bit of this kind of stuff pretty regularly. And, um, yeah, I'm happy to talk online in any way that's going to help anybody out because we need to get those statistics a little bit lower. And, um, boys, it's been fantastic um, talking to you guys and reconnecting, and I'm really impressed with um, where you're heading and especially with being men. I'm, I think it's a fantastic a fantastic enterprise, and I can't wait to see how, how it grows and, and takes the world by storm. 100%. It's been uh, a great pleasure talking to you. Lots of amazing conversations, and thanks for sharing your knowledge and expertise in this subject. It's always a pleasure talking to you. I guess this is not the first and last time we'll be interacting with you, so looking forward to having you on the podcast next time. All right. Thanks, mate, and enjoy your, uh, enjoy your day. Well, I hope you guys got as much out of that episode as we did. Uh, we love chatting to Wayne and we'll pop up all of the links and uh, resources mentioned in the episode up on our website for you guys to have a look at, being-men.com. Now, just before we head off, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, um, like us on Facebook and uh, get in touch if you want to have a chat. Anyway, we'll see you in the next one.